Today is the day to wake, work, and win. Welcome to The Standard. So when we worked together at training, you were the training chief. I always tell people you did a phenomenal job of facilitating. People needed training. People had ideas. People wanted to do things. You said yes, and you facilitated. You know, for example, like we would be tasked with designing an in-service that we were going to deliver to the department. And you would just say, run with it. You know, sit down, you guys figure it out, figure out what you want to do. Why'd you do that? Actually, I think the staff decided to do that. So we'd had a conversation before I headed to town for a meeting and said, we've got an in-service coming up and we have got to come up with an idea and we have to do it quick. And then I left the building, got my car and drove to town. And when I came back, you guys were all excited and you brought me back to the kitchen area because that was kind of our think tank. You guys showed me the whiteboard and it is covered in sticky notes. And this thing lays out this perfect in-service that deals with issues with company officers and engineers and firefighters and a way to go through and look at some of the tasks they're doing and and help them perfect their skill set. I think I took one sticky note down and put one sticky note back up and went, okay, draw this out in an outline, let's go. And to me, that was, that was a moment of change for me in the way I interacted with the staff. That was a huge shift in the way I, my leadership style was from when I came from the line to when I came out to the fire academy. Do you think you could use that same leadership style with the line, or is it really limited to the training environment? No, uh, I think... Uh, really good example of that right now is was hose and nozzles we got notified by two fire medics from station eight that we had an issue with our hose and nozzles and they wanted to do something about it and went over and met with them as as a chief and brought the deputy chief over logistics over with me and a engineer um, over fleet and we sat down and had a conversation and we pushed that to the training engineer and the fleet engineer and really empowered them to take that project on. And we found out we had significant hose and nozzles issues. I mean, to the point of allocating a significant amount of money to do a complete change out and overhaul, which we're in the process of switching all that hose out and putting new nozzles on to be more effective, which then in turn has led to re-examining of hose loads and how we deploy hose and how we move hose. That really came from the line but by saying yes and then empowering engineers to take that project on made it happen. And, and because of that, it was like throwing the rock in the pond and watching the ripples come off of it. It seems pretty rare for leaders to empower their folks that they don't have leadership positions yet, those informal leaders. But as you have seen, that goes a long way in an organization if you can do that. How have you come to a place where you feel comfortable enough giving agency to your informal leaders? So I started out as a firefighter in a small suburb of Minneapolis called Richfield. Um, And I had a chief officer who empowered us to take on all kinds of projects, mostly because of staffing issues. There was one chief officer, three captains, three lieutenants, and 18 firefighters. And that made up the fire department. And 
there was an expectation we would do a significant amount of interaction within the community. If we weren't on calls or doing inspections, we were out working in the community, educating and interacting and, and really being woven into the community. It was, it was expected that the fire department would be at everything. That was, that was just how it went. And we we're always striving for new opportunities to be out in the community. And this chief would be like, yes, put it together. Yes, take this on. Yes. And most of the time, the answers were yes. You can come in and they'd say yes. And, and I saw that. And then some of my early company officers here in Aurora, same thing. Hey, here's what I need to get done. What do you need to get done? Let's build that out in our day. And we all win. And to me, that was a good way of kind of doing business in the firehouse. I kind of went through the arson path and then worked my way as a battalion chief officer and spent my time as a chief officer trying to help people prepare for the next level. Getting ready for Tom, I got to spend some time with you um, and your officer and, and really it was a cool opportunity to mentor and coach. But a lot of the projects I just took on myself and I wasn't pushing them out like I should have been. And I didn't realize how important that was till I came to training. And it was really that moment at training where I saw, well, if I empower the staff, they will take it and run with it. And the next idea and the next idea. And really at one point, we had ideas that went through two calendar years because we had so many good ideas that were coming from not only the staff, but it spilled over to the line where the line was coming to us and going, hey, we know on the matrix you have a wildland training coming up. We would really like to put it on, and this is what we're thinking. What do you think? Yes, let's do it. So with the hose and nozzle change you talked about, how long did that take? A couple years? Yeah, it was 18 months to two years. It was a long process for us. Yeah, so when you're trying to make this change, I mean, patience seems to be the biggest thing because it takes so long. It's hard when you have this great idea, you're super excited, you see it as, oh, if we just get this thing, everything will get fixed. It's the follow through that I know if you are, do not have any leadership, formal leadership experience, you don't understand all the back end stuff that has to happen and finding people to stay motivated, to like have the follow through, to spend two years on a project where we're very used to, oh, we get a call, we go, we fix the problem when we leave. We, we get that immediate satisfaction of completing a task. Now you're going to ask these folks who are not used to that to hang on for two years and make these small little increments with a bunch of setbacks. It's not a skill set that we have. So how do you cultivate that persistence? I always uh, use that analogy that trying to change something to the fire service is like trying to turn around an aircraft carrier. It's going to take a long time to make that turn. But once you do, then you're going to have a lot of successes. And it's hard to help people be patient. I mean, you look at the staff. We had a, a high-speed, highly effective, go-fast kind of staff. And trying to show patience to hopefully get patience was what I was trying to do. Because I can't just go in there and tell you guys, well, be patient, everything will be fine. It's not going to work. So trying to model patience, trying to model that behavior, hoping that it would catch on, and seeing that it was going to take a little time to get things done, but still allowing you guys to have these victories. Because as long as there's victories, you're going to keep moving forward. It's not the one you wanted. Uh, you know, it's, you didn't win the war, but you, you won that fight, which brought us on to the next fight, which brought us on to the next fight, which finally got us to the point of winning the war. And sometimes it was just 
having those little battles and taking that on and taking that victory and moving forward until we had an overall, overall victory, I guess. So when those that work for you, whether it's your staff or your crew, have ideas and they want to run with something, how do you as a training chief champion those ideas? Because it seems like when we were at training, you shielded the staff from a lot probably. You took a lot up. You took all our ideas up all the gripes, all the complaints, all the good stuff, all the bad stuff, not much came back down. So there's got to be some benefit and value to, to being that guy in charge and managing that. So yeah, to speak. I mean, I would imagine that when you present something to the line that is not something that they're used to doing, how do you get some buy-in from them? I think a lot of times it's, it's presenting the value. So what is the value in doing this kind of training? Um, it met some objectives, whether it was individual standards or company standards. So we're meeting some check boxes, which um, we as chief officers always like. There's some check boxes we need to fill in. We met some check boxes, but also look at the value we're bringing. We're working with our officers to do a better job on size ups, which we knew we needed to work on. And we had an opportunity to take our firefighters out there and do individual skills, which we knew we needed to look at and measure for individual standards and potentially learn from that. Because if you look at it from there, we learned things that we passed on to the line um, for them to improve on. And then there was an opportunity to really work with our engineers. We had some good training engineers at the time that wanted to work on uh, water supply and some of the issues that we had identified and we were able to work on that at the same time. So I'm able to go in and go, look, here are the issues we have. Here's how we're going to work on them. Here are the check boxes you need filled. And here's how this is going to help us in future training. So sometimes it's how you present it and then come back to the staff and go, okay, this is what you want to do. And this is what we're going to accomplish by doing it. Go. Why do you think those two and a half years or three years that you were involved in training why do you think we were able to have the success we have? Like what, like what all had to come together to make that happen? You know, I think we had support at the, at the executive staff level. Um, so that was incredibly helpful. But I think we knew we had some training issues and we knew we had a training matrix to follow. And we knew we were trying to get all this training in. And you guys were able to come up with ways to get that done. And when you did that, it was easy for me to go upstairs and go, look, this is how we're going to do this to get this done. And, and they were good with it. Were there some minor tweaks? Sure, there were times where I came back and said, hey, tweak this sticky note or tweak this outline a little bit. But for the most part, we were able to do all the things that, that the staff wanted to do. And it was good quality, pertinent training that when you look at it in hindsight, uh, had a huge effect on our organization from the battalion chiefs down. So I think it was just, maybe it was the season, but I just think the timing was right to, to get after it. And we had that, that opening that window and we did. You know, you're close to 30 years in the fire service now. So you probably have a pretty good idea of why those that are opposed to ideas or don't have an open mind, why they say no to things instead of yes. A lot of times saying no is easy. If I say no, this is done and this is easy. And I tell you, eh, go do this and this because it's what I've done in the past. And I know it's something that, that has worked or kind of worked. So just go do that. Saying yes is hard. 
because when you say yes, I have to make sure that you're going to go out there and have the opportunity and the things that you need to be successful. That's going to take some work and some effort. But if I don't, if I don't do that, I mean, I figured out quick. I had a high speed, highly skilled, incredible staff to work with. And if I'd have told you guys, no, that'd have been it. That'd have been it. If I'd have told you guys, no, that'd have been it. And I knew going in there that we had a officer development program we needed to work uh, or rework an acting officer program we needed to rework we wanted to look at our acting engineer program we wanted to look at our in services we wanted to look at our fire academy we wanted to look at battalion training we wanted to look at all these programs and if I had told you no then we're all done and you can't do that to a highly functional highly motivated staff you've even if it's not necessarily what you want to do you still got to figure out a way that it's a yes and so they can go fast and get it done otherwise you lose them and there was no way i was going to risk the chance of of losing any part of what you guys were bringing forward best case scenario everyone loves to come to work and they're bought in on the direction the department's going it seems there's there's folks that are only there for the paycheck and they just want to know what can the department give me as opposed to what can i give the department how do you as a, a leader get those people to reinvest? If you look at the training staff we had, everybody had a say. Whether you were the brand new firefighter or the seasoned captain, everybody had a say. And there were times where all of us, all nine of the ten would be in and you'd walk past somebody and they'd be like, nope. And you'd go, why? And then they had a good reason. You're like, yep, because yep, that makes total but, sense. But it didn't matter if it was, <laughs> if it was the chief or the junior firefighter that was on the staff, everybody had that ability to come in and go, no, and here's why, which brings buy-in. I think the other part was, is it was fun. There were days that were not fun, but somebody would come in all good to go and ready to work, and that would bring the staff up, and, and no matter how hard the work was, it was still fun for us. At the end of the day, staff would be exhausted um, but I still thought it was fun for us. When we'd pack up at the end of the day and lock the gates, we still had a good day. Um, we still had successes. We still made changes. And I think overall we made a difference. And that made you want to come back the next day. You were a little sore, a little tired, sometimes a little frustrated. But you knew it was another day, another opportunity to be successful and to make a huge difference in the organization. It was a pleasure having that opportunity. I mean, I got to work with... Some of the most amazing people uh, that I've ever worked with in my career. And you look at what a team we had, and I mean, I think it really was a team. We really uh, worked hard to make sure that either the recruits or our organization got top quality training. I really do. Yeah, I think going back to childhood, there's no better thing than being on a winning team. Mm -hmm. Win on the fire grounds, pretty sweet, you know? And being part of a staff, whether it's training or being part of a crew, you're on a winning team. That that can be pretty special, but it's a lot of pride in that too, you know? I, I think pride is huge. And having pride in your organization, pride in your firehouse, pride in your crew, um, I think it drives you. I think when you have pride, it drives you as an individual and as a crew. It pushes you to be better, work harder, try to do the very best that you can every shift 
And as a battalion chief, I really encourage that as at the station level and at the battalion level. You know, our organization has some rivalries, good-spirited, and it's based on their pride. It's based on the pride that they have in their skill set and how they work as a team and how they function on emergency scenes. And it pushes the crews to work a little bit harder, a little bit better, a little bit faster, make sure they're dialed in because they know when that moment comes. I've had that conversation before when you have that moment of which team are you going to pick? Two teams pull up at the same time, two crews pull up at the same time, which one are you going to pick? The one that you know is dialed in and has pride and works hard, their equipment works, their gear is right, and they're good to go, they're ready to work, or the one that's just, well, I'm here today, it's a work day. As a chief, I'm picking the dialed-in crew, the one with pride, the one that cares, the one that works hard every single time. And I don't think that's hard to build. I, I think you can have a healthy uh, level of pride in your organization or in your company um, by taking pride in your equipment, your rig, your station, how you do your inspections, how you look when you go out in public. So your shirt's just hanging out and, and dirty and nobody cares. You know what? You can, you can look nice in a t-shirt and look professional. Your rig can be clean, your equipment can be checked, everything can be ready to do the job, and it shows a high level of pride, and it doesn't take that much work, it doesn't take that much effort. Because if everybody in your house has pride, then that means it's being done every single shift by every single crew. So it's not just building out the pride on one crew in a firehouse, it's how do we as chiefs build it out on all three shifts in a firehouse, because it makes it easy. If all three shifts have pride in their stuff, that place is clean, organized and ready to go to work every single time. But that's going to take some work. One thing you taught me was how to look at failure. And you regularly say failure is just an opportunity to get better, opportunity for growth. Where did you learn that? I think part of it was growing up from my, from my parents. When I would have a failure, whether it was school or work or life, they taught me to take that little nugget because there's always a nugget. There's always something to grab and grab onto that. And how do you grow from there? And then getting into the fire service and fire service is a land of opportunities to fail. Cause it's a, it's a hard job. There are a lot of skills to learn. There are a lot of opportunities to have a, a moment of failure, but if we don't have moments of failure, we never grow. So how do we take those failures and go, I can work on that and I can work on that, whether it's in the, the weight room or stretching hose or writing a report or interacting with the public. How do I take that little bit of failure and grow? And, and sometimes that's hard. And sometimes as an officer, you've got to grab somebody from your crew and go, whoa, you're beating yourself up way too hard over this. Let's look at where we can grow from this. Because most of the time, failures aren't a complete and absolute failure. So do you look at just the failure and go after them for that? Or do you look at the good that surrounds it and emphasize it and then grow off of that failure and go out and address it immediately? And that doesn't mean as a leader going, hey, I identified this, go fix it. It's, hey, I identified this, we are going to go get better because we all get a chance to learn from it. What are some things you've done throughout your career to help you improve your leadership skills? 
Uh, leadership for me is being invested. If you want to be a good leader, you're going to invest time. And you have to invest time in yourself. And you have to invest a lot of time in your people. If you really, really care, if you really say you're a good leader, you're going to invest in your people. And it's usually not at the most opportune moment where you have 20 minutes in your schedule in the book where you're going, man, I wish I had something to do in this 20 minutes. Uh, hopefully somebody will call me so I can invest some time in them. It's, that's never the case. It's seven in the morning. It's 10 o'clock at night. It's on the weekends. It's the holidays. It's when you're just coming off a meeting and you're super busy and you know that you have to stop and turn and face them and give them all of your attention, every bit of it. You have to be a consumer of information, whether it's books and my consumption of reading materials has gone up from I'd read whatever was on the promotional exam, and that was about it, to last year I read 60 books. Dang. That was a huge increase in, in consuming knowledge, just getting those two or three nuggets out of a book that you can take and grow from, listening to podcasts or Extreme Ownership or anything that Jocko Wilnick puts out, some of the military ones, trying to become more open-minded about different ideas, investing in the people around you when they're working on fire officer one programs or acting officer programs and helping them sit down and work when your people come to you and go i want to promote and you know you're busy but you still find the time to invest in them because they want to promote and they want your time yeah you just can't pass up those opportunities to mentor and help others and they land in your lap like you you got to take them yeah but you need to be approachable for that interaction to take place. So you could read all the books you want. You could listen to Jocko all you want, but if you're not approachable as a leader, no one's going to come to you. So how do you navigate that? It, it's interesting. Either the door, in my eyes, the door is open or closed. So either I close the door and I am not approachable and you should not come up and talk to me or the door is open. And when the door is open, that means 24 seven, the phone gets answered the text messages get responded to, the visits to the office where, hey, do you got a minute to talk? And it turns into two hours and it's one o'clock in the morning. You're either in or you're out. There's no halfway. And for me, it was in. I'm in. Some of those conversations are good. And you get to sit there and you get to have these conversations where you're sharing and you're building on leadership and you're helping them move forward in their future. Some of them are not so good, and you're just trying to keep them, uh, their heads above water. But if you're going to be a good leader, you, you have to be willing to take all those conversations on, not just the good ones. You can't have your door open part-time. It's all the time. And that means you're willing to take on the good conversations and the bad conversations. Either you care or you don't. There's no halfway. There's no halfway, and that's why that's the biggest thing I tell the new officers is either you care or you don't. And if you don't care for your people, why are you doing this? I think a quality that pairs well with being approachable, like we're talking about, is is also being real. Being authentic. Yeah, genuine, right? Uh, if every time somebody comes to you and asks you a question and you give them the PC answer and you don't actually have an opinion – why people are going to stop coming to you? Yeah, I mean, it doesn't mean you have to. Just because you give your opinion doesn't mean you can't follow it up. Like, like you, Hunter, you did a good job. That you can't follow it up with, 
I get it. I have similar feelings, but the mission is bigger here, and this is what we're going to do here. You can get people to follow you that way too, but you just coming out and saying that's dumb. This, you know, like we're going to support this because of this, because this is what they said. Well, what do you think? Uh, I'm not going to tell you what I think. Then you're going to lose people. I think as a leader, we can be supportive to the organization while being authentic to our people. Authenticity. Yep. And if we're not authentic and have a productive conversation, why are you leading? Why are you in that position? Some of the stuff uh, I may not have necessarily believed in, but that was the direction of the organization. So we looked at it as an opportunity to how do we take that directive or that direction we're supposed to go and make it a positive. And sometimes that was a stretch for us, but we would always find a way to make it work. Let people vent. Here's your time. Vent it out. That's enough. Let's move on. Now let's be productive about this and make it work for us and make it work for the organization. But you have to be authentic as a leader and and be willing to support your organization while listening to your people and supporting them.